Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate your feedback on the contents of the show. If you aren't already a subscriber, I encourage you to become one and rate Taking the Higher Road in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen. Today's guest is Chris Spear, the passionate and inspiring president and CEO of the American Trucking Associations, the nation's leading organization representing the interests of the trucking industry. Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, Chris. Great to see you. Thanks, Jeremy, for having me on. We have a lot to cover today. I want to make sure we talk about ATA's role in, in truckers being recognized as essential. I want to talk about the industry's image, uh, workforce development, as well as working on the industry's agenda with a new administration. Of course, we'll also take a deeper dive where I'll have you answer a question submitted by uh, from a listener. But before we get into all that, I'm curious, have you had your uh, COVID vaccination yet? I have had both of them and uh, uh, all went fine. Uh, no, no, no. Uh adverse impact from them and a little bit of a sore arm. Uh, but, uh, you know, nothing I wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, you know, want to endure for, uh, not getting COVID. I, 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 the alternative is not worth the, not worth the thought. So, uh, but feeling great. My whole family's got the shots. My entire senior team's got their shots and, uh, yeah, we're starting to really see light at the end of that tongue, uh, where we can come back to work and, uh, interact with family and, it's a long time to wait, but uh, I, I think that vaccine's doing the trick. I'm with you. Yeah, I just had my second uh, shot. My wife's getting hers. Uh, my father, who lives with us, is he, he had his back in I think maybe February, and and I agree. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and I just want to encourage people to continue see it through. And 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 sometimes we are our own worst enemy, and uh, I'd like to not be. So uh, I recall a few years ago, I think it was 2018. You spoke at the Recruiting and Retention Conference in Nashville, and, and for most of those in that room, that was the first time they'd ever heard you. And, and some of them, maybe the first time they'd ever heard of you. Um, I could tell because as you were you know, passionately explaining you know, what we need to do as an industry and, and what ATA is doing to address the driver shortage situation, uh, they were all looking at each other going, who is this guy? You know, Where did he come from? You know, when you first took on the role of president and CEO of ATA nearly five years ago, uh, what was what was it that attracted you to the trucking industry? Well, I think the people um, and, and all walks too. Uh, it's a very diverse industry. Uh, you know, we move seventy one percent of the freight in this country. Uh, you know, there really isn't anything that uh, happens economically that doesn't touch at some point a truck. So uh, you can play in almost every issue imaginable, from tax to trade to labor to uh, you know, safety and, and infrastructure. And the list is, is quite long, but, you know, you start really looking at innovation and connecting cars, trucks, infrastructure. Uh, where we're headed as a, as a, a, a country, innovation is going to play a tremendous role in that. And it's certainly going to be uh, uh, directly impacting our industry. So I like the issue suite because it, it, it's such a vast, uh, you know, industry and what it does. Um, you get to play in a lot of different places. And so, uh, you know, from an advocacy point of view, you know, if you're, if you're working Congress uh, over on a piece of legislation, uh, whether you're working with our regulatory agencies uh, that have direct uh, 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 jurisdiction over the trucking industry, or whether you're working with our state association executives in 50 state houses, 
from governors to state legislatures, um, the interplay is, is quite remarkable. And as we saw in the last 12 months with COVID, we had to really get engaged with mayors, uh, large, medium and small cities and municipalities. And, you know, when you start dealing with people like that, that don't interface with trucking directly, um, you start seeing, you know, the need for education to be able to, to really uh, bring decision makers uh, of all spectrums, federal, state and local, uh, up to speed on why we matter. And you want those store shelves restocked. If you want the test kits and, and vaccines delivered to the front lines, that all comes off a truck. And uh, you've got to give us access. You've got to allow us to comply. You've got to let our, our drivers rest. Uh, all the requirements that uh, get us from point A to B have to be met. And in an environment like this, uh, it really ups our game. So I love the industry. I like to play at that level. I like representing them. Um, some of the most honest, hardworking, patriotic people in the country exist in this industry. And it's, it's truly an honor to be in this position. Uh, 88 years ATA has been around. I'm the ninth guy to get deleted. And uh, I, I, I reflect on that regularly. Uh, I don't take it for granted. Uh, I know it's, it's a blessing to be, you know, given the opportunity and to be at the end of five years and getting ready to, to extend a, another contract uh, in the coming weeks. Um, I'm very excited about what the future has for the industry and testament for the last 12 months, particularly, I think we've done very well, uh, not only representing the industry, but our industry responding to this crisis and rising to the occasion. And, and that's what we, we all knew was possible, but to see the country, uh, you know, observe it firsthand, uh, it is really impactful. And, uh, it really, I think, you know, underscores what we all uh, do day in and day out and why it matters. Well, it's interesting that you say, you know, the industry is is great and it is made up of some of the just the salt of the earth people. And that's certainly what attracted me to it, or at least once you got into it and you realized that's what it was made of and how when you embrace the industry, it embraces you right back. It's, um, you know, the relationships that I've built over the, you know, close to 20 years, they last a lifetime. Now, you talked about last year in 2020, what an extremely challenging year. And, and we're certainly not out of the woods yet, but we do see light at the end of the tunnel. But as we, especially as we face, you know, the onset of that, of the global pandemic, the challenges that, that the industry faced, can you describe how the ATA was instrumental in securing the federal essential status for the trucking industry? Because that's, that was a really important tag. Yeah. And, and be mindful that, that, uh, this last 12 months involves two administrations, not one. It involved multiple governors that were making decisions that certainly impacted uh, our industry's ability to operate safely and, and, and efficiently. And, and as I said earlier, a lot of mayors uh, who don't know our industry very well uh, made decisions that were, quite frankly, very adverse uh, to our ability to, to meet our customers' needs. So um, we, right from the beginning, worked with the Department of Homeland Security to secure that essential status. And that was an important element as you talk to governors and mayors, that they see that you have that federal designation, because without it, uh, you're going to get steamrolled. So securing that federal status was something we did almost immediately. And just almost moments from that decision, you began seeing several governors, five states particularly, uh, begin shutting down uh, you know, public rest areas uh, that many in our industry do rely on. Um, you know, there's a lot of interaction with our private 
uh, rest stop uh, and truck stop uh, members of industry that have been very involved in, in providing for, for our drivers uh, various needs, but they also require those public uh, rest stops for parking. Um, and those were closed, those were shuttered. And so when you have that happen, if you're running lanes, say from Ohio to New York State, uh, and Pennsylvania shutters that, um, that's gonna be very impactful uh, on your ability to run those lanes on time and be compliant. So um, the essential status followed by working with governors to get those stops reopened. And we saw the DMVs shutter uh, nationwide. Uh, and that was really impactful when you're talking about medical certificates, CDL, CLPs, uh, you know, that all has to flow. And if that shuts down, you shut down operations. So exemptions from that. Uh, then we focused on uh, FMCSA and the hours of service exemptions to make certain that we had the flexibility that we needed to, uh, to meet our customers' needs. And who are our customers? Not just store shelves, but hospitals, uh, frontline workers, EMTs, nurses, doctors. Uh, that needed the test kits uh, right out of the gate. So those were the immediate things that we saw unfold in late March, April, and into May. And once you got kind of past that and and uh, dealing with mayors that essentially just geofenced their cities, uh, San Francisco comes to mind, do they ever stop to really think uh, about how those shelves get restocked with water and food, medicine? Um, if you shut us out, you're not going to get them because that doesn't happen within the city limits of San Francisco. Uh, we come in from outside the city and, you know, there's a lot of education, a lot of handholding that had to occur. But once we got past that in May of last year, you began to see things even out and, and the performance of the industry, particularly the drivers uh, and the respect that they were receiving, not only on national media, putting uh, drivers on the White House lawn again was huge. Uh, but, you know, talk shows, national syndicated uh, media shows were really shining that spotlight on our drivers and their efforts, the time they're taking away from their families, putting themselves out there without vaccinations uh, to get the job done. It was nice when I drove several times across the country and you see uh, billboards in cornfields thanking a, a trucker, uh, banners hanging off overpasses thanking the industry drivers pulling off of interstates and being escorted by police to where they can get a hot meal and a shower. Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, you know, handing them cookies and meals uh, when they when they pull up. And you know, I tell you, that, that kind of respect um, and, and, and recognition um, for something that, that our industry does day in and day out year over year. But this year felt different because people really took the time to understand who's getting the job done. And it was really, I think, glued together uh, by our industry. Uh, and there's just no way we could have gotten through this pandemic without them. So that felt good and epic levels of, of recognition that I think elevate our image and also pay forward. So when you're now up on the hill or, or in an agency, or in a state house and you're talking about what our industry is doing, that's still fresh in a lot of people's minds. And you can play off that capital uh, for a while. And, and I hope it lasts a long time, but certainly while it's fresh in people's minds, we wanna make certain that we're reminding them of why we matter. And uh, you know, that's, that's a good place to be coming out of pandemic. There's plenty of negative to point to, but I, I tend to like the positive and that there's plenty of it there too. 
Well, and since the beginning of your ATA leadership, you've stressed the importance of of telling our story, you know, the importance of the of the trucking industry and and how we need to continue to bang that drum. And while it's unfortunate that it's come as a result of a global pandemic, it is encouraging, as you shared, to see the industry enjoying much greater appreciation and recognition. Epic, you know, levels uh, uh, to your point. Uh, I had the honor of recently interviewing a professional uh, CDL driver with Walmart, John Lex, uh, who's also a captain of America's road team. And I think what a great story, what a great uh, human being. Um, that's what, you know, America's road team is an example, one of the ATA's efforts from an image standpoint. If we can just chat a little bit about America's road team. I know uh, trucking moves America forward. I also had a, a conversation with Kevin Birch, a co-chair recently. And, um, that that trending hashtag thank a trucker, you know, you talk about seeing that in cornfields and stuff like that. Uh, can we keep that momentum? You know, is that something that we can continue to to leverage going forward? Yeah, no question. We can keep it. It's up to us, uh, by and large, to make sure that we maintain it. Um, you shouldn't just you know ignore it. You gotta you gotta you gotta apply it forward strategically. I think with our issues. New administration, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount of dialogue that can be had with new decision makers coming into Congress, uh, new majorities. You've got new leadership at, say, the Department of Transportation and several other departments where they may not know us as well. And you could really ride that that crest for a while. Uh, that image carries you into discussions that uh, I think are very disarming. Uh, where normally people may have a, 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 a you know a formed opinion about us, uh, and it may not all be good. And you want to change that. You need to engage. You've got to have that conversation and show them why we matter. And and uh, you know I think it's very disarming uh, coming in riding that that high level of, of uh, visibility that we've enjoyed over the last few months uh, have made actually the discussions we've had with new. Uh, administration officials, new members of Congress, new governors, much easier. And so, uh, you know, looking again at the positives, we still have a lot of work to do, but it does start with awareness. And uh, that image has really helped us crack open those conversations and really begin, uh, you know, disarming people that uh, I think had, you know, probably opinions that were, were a bit flawed or skewed, and we've been able to show them the light. And uh, that helps us on several fronts. It helps us talk about issues that normally are pretty polarized politically. Um, our message, Jeremy, doesn't speak to one party or the other. It's not a Republican or Democrat agenda. Roads and bridges are for everybody to drive on, including us. And we need to start talking about what's good for America, not what's good for a majority of, 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 of Republicans or Democrats. Uh, personally, I, I don't get caught up in that. I, I don't worry about that so long as that majority uh, is working with us and picking the, up the, the, the issue and, and championing it. Um, we're going to work with them. So D or R matters not to me as long as they're doing what our industry needs to grow and be safe and serve our customers long term. That's the trajectory I see us on right now. And it's because we haven't played favorites. So uh, that story matters and you got to tell it at the highest volume and you got to be engaged right now. Riding that image has been really beneficial. Well, a few years ago, um, the ATA created a video called Imagine. 
And that was the most inspiring video I, I've ever seen about trucking. Um, my, and in fact, uh, that I, I bring that up because the question in the deeper dive uh, segment here is where we take a question from a listener is, um, now I lost it. Have you considered an update to the video or at least recirculating it through the lens of how the industry rolled up its sleeves during the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're constantly, uh, you know, inventing new ways to communicate podcasts like this have become commonplace. Uh, obviously, virtual meetings, um, you know, are not going away. Um, I do believe, however, we are a, very much a high-touch uh, business, and that, that does require a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. As I said earlier, I'd rather much uh, be doing this interview face-to-face -face with you. Uh, meetings that I have on Capitol Hill, testimony, um, there is something to be said about being in front of somebody uh, live versus uh, electronic. So whenever we have the chance, we want to find ways to explore innovative ways to you know, tell our story. Um, you can cast a much broader net through electronic. Um, so there are trade-offs to doing both. Um, we're doing a lot of webinars. We're doing a lot of social media beyond podcasts, uh, ways that we uh, explain who we are. Uh, those videos do have a, a, a dramatic impact. So uh, yeah, we're going to continue to look at ways that we can use that, leverage it uh, to build awareness and understanding of, of who we are and and why our issues uh, matter. And, uh, you know, we've seen coalitions build around that. And I think it really begins with how you you utilize every avenue possible to, to uh, make awareness um, as, as widespread as, as you can. So. Uh, absolutely. I think the answer to that question is we'll, we'll continue to look for good ways to, to do that. It's a great video. And so it's a good question. Each year, we have more drivers leave the industry uh, than the new entrants to replace them. And last year, I think due in large part uh, to COVID exacerbated that dynamic. We continue to be challenged with an ever increasing driver shortage uh, in technicians. And, and in fact, anyone you ask today will say it's worse you know, than, they've, than they've ever seen it. Um, can you talk a little bit about the Drive Safe Act, you know, that's uh, what's the compelling argument for allowing 18 to 20 year olds drive commercial vehicles across state lines? Because there's it's a contentious issue. And, and, and I think it's important that that it be talked about in a way where we can really gather support, you know, especially for those who are concerned. Well, it's contentious. But uh, for what reasons? I have yet to hear an explanation of why this doesn't make, you know, you know, sense. It, it, it to me is a no brainer. Agreed. Um, it's one of many things that we need to do to shore up uh, our workforce. And uh, so it comes from multiple places. So before I get the drive safe, I'll, I'll certainly uh, go, go into that issue. You've got to look panoramic, panoramically at our entire workforce. And you got to start with your existing workforce. Uh, what are their needs? Uh, health and wellness, um, substance control controlled substances, uh, obviously the impact and pressures that that's putting on them, uh, diet, health, uh, health care. Uh, these are all things that, uh, you know, our motor carriers have, have taken steps to improve and offer and ensure that their health and well-being, if they want to stay in the saddle longer and drive for another five, 10 years before they retire, uh, making certain that we have those kinds of programs in place to ensure that they have that uh, opportunity is very important. Um, so they're not exiting as soon as they 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 uh, 
probably would uh, if we were to make those programs more widespread. I think making certain that we're, we're targeting minorities, um, obviously gender, we have a 7% uh, women uh, participation rate in our driver uh, workforce. Uh, that's very, very low uh, and, and something that we need to focus on improving. I think uh, in terms of veterans, uh, giving them the opportunity to enter our, our uh, industry uh, and avoid a path of despair, which happens regularly, uh, especially when they exit the military. Uh, if there's not a job or an employer there to catch them, uh, the chances are they go in a, in a very, very dark direction, and we need to avoid that. Working with the military, with the Veterans Affairs and the Department of Labor, uh, we built uh, that kind of net where we can do uh, you know, better outreach, I think. We can do better in terms of how we uh, uh, have those arrangements in place before they sever. Um, but that's just a sliver of it. I, I think we've got to go after uh, the inner cities. And again, there gets you not only into gender, but also race. Um, I like the numbers that we have in our driver workforce, which are in the upper 40s. Those, those numbers look very good, but they don't reflect that in our executive ranks. And we've got to do better of bringing people uh, up and into the industry, overseeing uh, uh, these business pillars. I think working with historically black, black colleges is a good uh, a path to take. Working with their transportation programs, trucking you. Uh, is something that, that we have uh, built uh, and, and have expanded and targeting those types of, of uh, universities, their programs, and uh, hiring uh, in the early executive ranks. Uh, minorities is really a good step. Lead ATA, thank you for Dry Reach's uh, participation and support in. Uh, really, really developing the next echelon of leaders uh, is going to be important, and that program over the past few years has been exemplary. Um, and that takes us to our youth. Um, you know, it's, it's just mind boggling to me that 49 states allow an 18 year old to drive a class eight. So you can go from El Paso to Texarkana, Texas and back, no problem. Uh, but you can't cross into Texarkana, Arkansas. Uh, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, how you can get a pilot's license at age 16, how you can send, uh, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, including my kids, off to fight and protect our freedom. We can train them to do that, but we can't train them to cross state lines. Now, for those 49 states, they have no training standards and no technology requirements on that equipment whatsoever. The Drive Safe Act, which is heavily bipartisan, both House and Senate, 117 associations, our coalition joined in really underscoring why this bill matters and why it'll make a difference, because we're training them for 400 hours, of which 240 of that, you've got to have an experienced driver in the cab. You have to have mit collision mitigation systems, cameras, speed limiters, on the equipment for this uh, driver to cross state line at that age bracket. But you're bringing them in early. You're training them up. This is a step towards safety, not away. If you look at what 49 states currently have, it is absolutely night and day. Drive, Drive Safe Act is much safer than what you've got out there. So anybody that would argue against this, that training and technology and the attention we're bringing to this age group that doesn't exist in 49 states is not safe, I, I, I'm just absolutely at a loss for how you can make that argument with a straight face. 
Uh, it just doesn't add up. So, uh, you know, I think that's why we have 117 groups signed on. That's why it's heavily bipartisan in the House and Senate. And I'm very confident that we're going to get it passed into law. All of these things that I've listed, in addition to Drive Safe, we have to focus on them all. And they all have to be done simultaneously. It's a lot under that workforce development portfolio. But if we do it all over the next five, 10 years, we will shore up the shortage. And we're not going to leave ourselves in a compromised position where we can't meet the economic needs of America. And to me, that is a responsibility our industry takes as very serious. And uh, that's why we have such a very surgical focus on all these elements. And this is my sweet spot, Jeremy. This is what I, I ran the Labor Committee in the Senate. I was Assistant Secretary of Labor. I've got a deep staff versed in these issues. There's probably not an association in Washington that is better equipped to handle this issue set than ATA. So I feel like we are in a very good place of, of taking these tough issues on, and we're going to do it based on safety, uh, and we're going to do it based on common sense, and I think Drive Safe reflects that. There's so much to talk about with you, Chris. My hope is that we get to do this again. Um, I can tell you, I listened to a keynote uh, last year, a keynote address during uh, the annual MC&E conference, the only one I think to ever been held virtually. You declared, it's no surprise that America has awakened to the trucking industry. Together, we inspire others. Together, we will win and grow. And we'll always answer the call when our country needs us most. Trucking isn't just the backbone of our economy. It's the heartbeat of this nation. Really appreciate your leadership, your support. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, my hope, I can't wait to see you in a, in a few weeks in San Antonio. And um, uh, it can't come too soon being able to get together again in person. So thank you so much. Well, safe travels there, Jeremy, and best to you and your family. And thanks for having me on. And uh, I look forward to working with you and uh, a lot to be done. But uh, it's, it's focus like this that uh, gets the word out. And I appreciate all you're doing. Thank you. And thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember to follow along at driverreach.com slash podcast. Please submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review the Taking the Higher Road podcast in Apple Podcast Stitcher and wherever else you tune in. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.